The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF Podcast is brought to you by Under Armour. Whether you're competing, training, or recovering, Under Armour has created the best performing gear to make you better. I've enjoyed it because, hey, when I work out, I sweat a lot, and Under Armour gear takes care of that. Plus, it fits great. I'm six foot ten, so getting the proper fit is extremely important. With two new exciting collections called Vanish and Perpetual, Under Armour is ready to help you focus on performance and take your fitness game to the next level. Vanish, that's my collection because, like I said, it's all about absorbing sweat. It's lightweight, quick driving, won't cling or chafe, and it stretches without absorbing the sweat. It's engineered to be more breathable so you feel lighter and less distracted. Personally, I do need to feel a little bit lighter at this point in my life. And now they also have the best fitness apps to help you track and learn how to put that gear to the test. Track your runs, log workouts, and tap into coaching with Under Armour's Map My Run, which you can sync with any one of Under Armour's connected running shoes or other devices like the Samsung smartwatch. And if you sign up for premium, you can unlock even more tools to help you achieve your fitness goals. So download Under Armour's Map My Run and MyFitnessPal in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store to get a free 30-day trial of premium for new users and take control of your goals today. The PFF NFL Podcast is also brought to you by Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. The PFF NFL podcast is also brought to you by MyBookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you could create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on, from college basketball and football to the NBA, NHL custom props, even esports, you name it. MyBookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and the mobile site is real easy to use. Sign up this week, and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you do win. 
Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention in DM, not to mention that they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code PFF to get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code PFF. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Amonson. Looking ahead to, what week are we in, Sam? 11? 11? Okay. Looking ahead to week 11. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I lose track. Uh, we're going to hit every game. We'll hit on the big ones, especially you know the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Rams, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Chicago Bears. We have some answering to do to all of the, our Bears fans. Did you know that Chicago is our number one listening city up till this yes. point? Yes. But only because you told me that. You have been down this rabbit hole this week of Chicago Bears fans, Trubisky hate. You even unearthed some Trubisky for MVP people. That's how deep into this thing you went. I went went way down the rabbit hole. Look, it's not, I know it's actually not a good thing to do because sometimes you focus on the four or five people that are against you and you go to defend yourself. When the reality is the majority of our millions and millions of listeners like what we do. They liked our Trubisky takes because it's, Everything we do is objective and, you know, through the same eyes and we'll all that stuff. We'll go that far. We'll talk um, about it, though. You, so. I mean, I'm just saying, when you reach the point where you stumble upon Trubisky for MVP people, that's when you know you've strayed too far from the herd and you need to start reversing, trace your steps Listen, back to find humanity again. Let's not, let's not aggravate too many other Chicago fans. They're our number one city right now. Okay. For our analytics. It might not be the same case going forward. They might have they may have moved on, but let's try to keep the Bears fans here. As Number best we two can. is New York, and somewhere in the top ten is Brooklyn. Surely if you combine the I don't two, know why they're that separated. makes New York ahead. I don't know why they're separated. But um okay, as we start every preview podcast though, we must predict the past. Yeah. The, or future. the future. It's the future the for future us from the past. past the past for our listeners so we're recording this at 405 eastern time i'm looking at the time right now 405 eastern time on thursday this is not this is not fake no we are predicting thursday night football green bay packers at the seattle seahawks if you guys have been following along we've been uncanny like i look i don't care if we don't get another one for the rest of the year this has been a successful yes, undertaking so far we've predicted well, look, many things regardless of how many we screw up from this point on we're able to create a montage that makes us look like geniuses yes the montage is is to be built we right. already have like six or seven where we just nailed it right um so now it's your turn yeah last week i predicted christian mccaffrey to go off as a receiver two or three touchdowns and he did it yes packers at seahawks mm-hmm. tonight sam for us for everyone else, it already happened. What did they see in this game? All right. I don't feel great about this one. That's what I said last week. I know. Yeah. And it did come true. But yeah. this is the first one for a while that I haven't feel, felt great about. I, I nailed the Mullen saying I knew that was coming, right? You did. This one, I don't feel great about. But Thursday Night Football was a repeat, of course, of the famous Fail Mary game, Steve. Yes. The Fail right. Mary, for anyone that doesn't remember, 2012. was the, uh, the replacement officials made an absolute hames as we say back in back in the old country. What does that mean? Made a hames of it, made a mess, made a made a balls of it, basically. Mm. So Hail Mary by Russell Wilson into the end zone. Um, a Green Bay Packers player comes down with it, but it was a golden tate of the Seattle Seahawks at the time. 
Yeah, and it so. managed to maintain just enough contact on the defensive player that they somehow awarded it as simultaneous possession, which belongs to the offensive player. So touchdown, success, win, fail Mary, right? This was obviously the anniversary of that game, a rematch of that game, and it came back to haunt them. Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks were ahead. They led down the stretch, but Aaron Rodgers had too much time on the clock. Uh-oh. And Aaron Rodgers marched, down, marched his way to midfield before Aaron Rodgers unleashed the Hail Mary that he is so known for. And this time, it was the Green Bay Packers player who did come down with it, and a non-replacement official saw it, awarded the touchdown. Green Bay win, avenge the Fail Mary game, the end. Case closed. Fade to black scene. Wow. That's so specific. That's risky. <laughs> That's why I'm saying That's I don't feel risky. great about this one. It's not crazy because, you know, Aaron Rodgers has this so, knack for hitting Hail Marys, which is yes. definitely luck. I will say that because we're predicting the future here, right? And this isn't an exact science. We don't understand quite our own powers at this point, And it's a little bit muddy. So I'm going to claim victory if either team wins in a Hail Mary situation. Oh, of course. Like you, saw, you saw Hail Mary somewhere. Right. Maybe you misinterpreted I, slightly exactly. who did what. I saw Hail Mary. I'm interpreting this as an Aaron Rodgers redemption. But maybe, just maybe, Russell Wilson was the guy to unleash one and succeed with another Hail Mary. Now, the irony of this... Either way, that's what happened yesterday. You know you picked Seattle? Mm. Um, okay, don't worry about it. Don't Look, worry. I, I... I did too. My visions do not happen to coincide with my picks, right? Yeah, the I picked the games earlier, and, the then week, and then I see things. Okay. Then I see things. And then it's too late to change. Exactly. Yeah, you Gordon doesn't let us change it. All right, so hey, I always, I'll stay up for that game. Hmm. The Mullins game, I, I was in and out. I mean, I'll stay up for this one. This should be a good one. I, ho- I hope it was a good game that you guys saw. Hmm. Packers at Seahawks. Very specific prediction. I hope it really happened. Yeah. Let's get into this weekend's games. Let's start. Let's jump right to Monday. Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Rams, and it really is at the Los Angeles Rams. It's no longer in Mexico. The field was in terrible shape, and they don't want anybody getting hurt. And uh, I saw you get Pete, uh, somebody called you all Pete Prisco. <laughs> yeah, people got on mad. Twitter. You um, went straight old man, get off my lawn. Back in the day, they used to play on bad fields. Yeah, this is the markup matchup, marquee matchup of the week. Yeah, apparently they held a Shakira concert on the field that they were going to play a football game on not so long ago. And that doesn't appear to have been beneficial for the field, for the turf. Um, did you just mute me or you? I think it was you. No, it was you. I just got noise through my headphones. Well, this is a top-notch production we've got going on right here. I've got my mute button. You guys are on YouTube there. Yeah. I think okay. it worked for me. That was so, right. No, it was. Yeah. It just... Anyway. It startled We'll me. edit this out. They'll never know. So... The Shakira concert apparently wasn't beneficial to the state of the turf. They consequently... So it came out that a bunch of players were looking at this and going, well, this is so dangerous. We're not going to risk ourselves. We're going to pull ourselves out of the game. And yeah. somewhere in near that, the, uh, the NFL said, okay, fine, we'll move it back to Los Angeles, and that's where we'll play it. I simply posted a tweet that was along the lines of, yeah, yeah this feels a bit too dangerous for us. We're not going to risk ourselves. Meanwhile, back in the late 80s, you know that picture of Joe Montana... In the Bengals Super Bowl, that was probably was that Boss's last game. Boss's last game. So this, he's in the pocket, surrounded by this trench warfare that's going on between the 49ers offensive line, the Bengals defensive line, and when I say trench warfare, I mean the turf is being cut up into giant. It looks trenches like the rolling of, hills yeah. of uh, Scotland have rolling hills. Yeah, sure. That's what it looked like they were playing in the middle of Scotland. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, I just Gordon. said. 
I, I just made the point that, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone in the Like, Ronnie Lott played on when he had half his finger taken off. Like, he's not going to go, oh, look, there's a bump in that field. I'm not playing. Come on, Sam. We're talking about the two most explosive offenses in the NFL. Nobody wants to see them trudging through some beat-up grass. We want to see them. So they're going to go to L.A. where USC is probably going to play a game the day before. No, so they're going to go to L.A. where we could see some explosive offense. That's what the NFL wants. What are we watching? Because this game, everybody's been pointing to this game for quite a while. Yeah. Even with the Rams losing to the Saints a couple weeks ago, still a marquee matchup from the Chiefs' perspective. From both teams' perspective, it's just important for their for their respective races for home field advantage. The Chiefs got, um, you know, step they're they're two games up on New England and uh, Pittsburgh and all these other teams competing for the number one seed, so they're in a good spot. But the Rams. You know, their margin of error is very small now after losing to the, to the Saints. Yeah, and I think this is probably the most Arena League game of the season. The Saints uh, versus the Rams was a lot like that as well, but this should be the archetype of that, right? I don't see either of these defenses capable of slowing down the, uh, the opposing offense. Um, the concept of Marcus Peters going one-on-one with Tyreek Hill is just terrifying right now. Like, there are receivers that are a lot slower and a lot less slick in running routes than Tyreek Hill have been exposing Marcus Peters badly. Like, that just has disaster written all over it. Um, and I don't know that the, the other side is that much better for the Chiefs either. Um, obviously, the Rams losing Cooper Cup is a significant blow. We talked about that a bit before. But they've got so much weaponry there. There's so much talent in that scheme. Um, and, of course, guys like Goff, guys like Todd Gurley, the Chiefs' defense, I think, is improving, but I still don't really see it being able to slow down that Rams' offense, so shootout. Yeah, this is that game you've been talking about where if the Chiefs or the Rams can just get one or two stops, right. that could be the difference yep. in this one. It's about uh, stealing possessions. Stealing possessions. There's uh, you know, there's just a lot of good on both sides. I think I'm leaning Kansas City on this one, though, because we were talking about it earlier in the week, and this was uh, still when I was thinking of it on a, a neutral site. Not that that matters a ton, Um but, you know, which offense do you trust to just screw up less? Or if something goes off kilter, or if the defense can take something away, who's got the better chance of succeeding? And I'm leaning toward Kansas, leaning toward Kansas City in that aspect, right? I'm leaning toward Mahomes, and I keep coming back to this. You know, everything's great within structure, but if he has to break out of the pocket and make plays outside the pocket and makes, get plays out of structure, or if Aaron Donald is creating crazy pressure in the middle... You still he could still make a ton of plays and kill you. Whereas Kansas City's pass rush, what we saw from them last week with Chris Jones, D. Ford, and Justin Houston all on the field at the same time, can they get some pressure on Jared Goff? And if they do, you know, I don't know if he can handle it as well as maybe Mahomes. Yeah, but that pressure was coming against I know the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, whereas this week it's going up against the Rams, who have one of the best offensive lines in the game this season. Cardinals so. have the worst. Yes. Uh, so it should be dramatically different from that point of view. I think they will limit that pass rush a lot, at which point, again, I think both offenses will just put up a ton of points. I don't know how you predict games like that where both teams are basically going to be scoring every time they have the ball because it's going to come down to one random three and out. It's going to come down to one random turnover that just swings the game. So a lot of points. I have no earthy idea who's going to win, but I went with the Rams. Good analysis there. Thanks. Uh, any other key matchups you want to watch in this game? By the way, here's a great stat on Aaron Donald and, and Dominican Sue. Uh-huh. Donald, we already know, leads the league in pressures with 67. And Dominican Sue is on pace for at least 56. He's, he's on pace for more than 56. If he gets more than 56, 
they'll be the only interior defensive line tandem to have at least 56 pressures apiece since we started doing this thing in 2006. Because I was, you know, we were looking at our research team and just saying, how many teams have that that type of interior pressure? Just two guys yeah. from the interior. And the previous teams that we looked at were all like J.J. Watt, Antonio Smith, back with Houston. That was the last time that happened, where two guys were in the top 10 among interior defensive linemen and pressures. It was J.J. Watt, Antonio Smith in 2012. So we haven't seen this in six years. Sue right now is number six, I believe, and Donald number one among interior defensive linemen and pressures. Yeah, there's probably never been a team that's had, or at least in our you know, time doing this, that's had a second interior guy as good as Sue. Yeah, it's, it's really an incredible, incredible combination. Uh, you mentioned Tyree Kill and then you know Travis Kelsey working in the middle of the field. The Rams' defense went from... You know, they're adding Aqib Tlaib, they're adding Marcus Peters, they've got this pass rush. They were supposed to be great. They're supposed to be have this dream team quality about them, right, on both sides of the ball, but it's really been lopsided. It's really been an offensive type of team. Yeah, it's kind of gone the way the last dream team assembly went, which is oh, kind of falling to pieces. The Eagles? Yeah. I mean, that Eagles team didn't suck. It just didn't become the, the dream team that people thought it was. Well, the Rams' dream team hasn't fallen apart. Right, that's what I'm saying. So it doesn't suck. It just hasn't become the dream team that everybody was talking they about. They only have one loss. They're dream teamish. No, not on defense. The dream, the oh, on defense, defense was okay. the dream team part. The offense was just always going to be good. Now, here's the thing. Here's the other st- thing we're, we've been looking at. George and Eric and all the work that they're doing from an analytical standpoint and on their podcast, The Forecast, which you guys should definitely check out, they keep saying, look, when we do our predictions and every in the model, offense is the biggest key. Defense is not. Mm-hmm. Defense is far less predictive, far less stable. Um, home and away does matter a little bit when you start talking about good defenses. Good defenses playing at home are a big factor. But that's also part of the reason, perhaps, in, in addition to injuries, that the Rams defense on paper looked like it was great and has kind of not only has it fallen apart a little bit, but it was also very weak at linebacker. And on the edge. Yeah. And that was the intriguing thing coming into the season. They're so strong in the secondary on paper and, of course, on the interior. But one of the league's worst linebacking cores all the way across the board. I think Aqib Tlaib coming back makes a massive difference to that unit. Yeah. Because he's, he's one of the few. There are no shutdown corners anymore. The days of being able to go one-on-one Rivas style with a guy and just take him out of the game are probably gone. The league, the rule changes have just it's made that too hard. You almost can't do it anymore. But Aqib Tlaib is one of the guys out there that's capable of doing it in a game, right? One off, and that's you know what you need. If at the very minimum, he's capable of limiting a number one receiver dramatically versus you know a random corner on on the guy. Can I do my weekly anti Gurley MVP st- uh, statement oh, no. real quick? Sure. Here's why Todd Gurley should not be in the MVP race. I was on NFL Network this week, Sam. You've been doing it a couple times. You've been on a couple times now. I I got on there. Uh, this week with Andrew Siciliano, and they said, hey, let's discuss your MVP race. And I'm you know, rubbing my hands together saying, great, this is our chance to say no running backs. And I sent my notes to the producer, and I said, no running backs. It's going to be Breeze and Mahomes. And, and they were like, oh, boy, what's happening here? This will be a good conversation. So I mentioned, hey, it's a two-man race. It's Drew Breeze. It's Patrick Mahomes. Andrew Siciliano's asking me, why not Tard Gurley? And I'm just like, he's a running back. It's not nearly, he's not nearly as valuable you know, Goff and McVeigh are far more valuable to that offense than Gurley is. Um, we certainly stand by that. If you just go by wins above replacement and Ward, Jared Goff's around four wins above replacement this year. Todd Gurley is barely one win above replacement. And then the argument for Gurley is always touchdowns. He's got 17 touchdowns, guys. And touchdowns, 
the argument we keep making is just they're opportunity driven. They're based off and opportunity based off of how good your offense is, how good your passing offense is. He has 15 carries inside the five yard line, by far the most in the NFL. It's just, I mean, Melvin Gordon, who I jokingly but seriously said is just as good as Gurley two weeks ago on Twitter, has two inside the 10. Gurley has 15 inside the five. So just just touchdown opportunity. I mean, that's where touchdowns come from. And then he's running yeah. behind the best offensive I mean, line, the best run blocking in PFF numbers. If you're going to measure it by touchdown, that's just a silly way of doing it, right? It's like, oh, you saved me a lot of words by saying that. Yeah. But that's a tough explanation because people are like, no, the name of the game, scoring points and scoring touchdowns. Sure. But how easy was your job in doing that? That's yes. basically, or how much opportunity did you have to do that? Touchdowns are not everything. So Todd Gurley, not the most valuable player. Like it's pretty simple. If any random running back is averaging five yards per carry, if you get 15 carries from the five, you've got a lot more chance of scoring than if you do if they're from the 25 or anywhere else, just by the averages. It's true. You're taking the Rams. I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah. Little asterisk, though. I thought the game was in Mexico City when I made that pick. I mean, it was in Mexico City when you made that pick. Let's go to the other marquee matchup of the week. Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears. All right, Bears fans, if you've stuck around through our very objective and honest Mitch Trubisky analysis, where we basically said, look, he's got, a, he's got some good stats that aren't as good as his throw-for-throw throw grading this year. That's you, the bottom line. You brought the YouTube commenters back into my life by telling me how much they hated our analysis on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. And how many thumbs downs we got on YouTube. There was a lot of hatred. Here's the point I would make that I think I will, I will use that as a growth opportunity, right? And say, okay, here's something we could have done better in explaining this Trubisky deal. And our purpose of sort of that exercise of changing the numbers a little bit wasn't to change the numbers at random and say, well, look, if you had these numbers, you'd be worse. PFF does not take a collection of numbers, fold them all together, and create this quarterback metric that spits out a number, right? We are watching and we are grading every single snap, every single throw from every single quarterback. And that is how our grading, our overall grade, the, the number that's spit out at the very end, that's how that comes about. It's play-by-play grading of every single player in the NFL. And the play-by-play might look, here's a plus one. Here's a minus 0.5. Here's a zero. Yes. A zero. Plus 0.5. Minus 0.5. Here's a one. Here's a zero. 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 When we are using numbers to talk about these things, we're trying to use stats to articulate why that number shows up, right? Correct. Without being able to walk you through a play-by-play analysis of his entire game, it's easier to pull out some stats and explain why this grade actually ends up that way, right? So you start talking about turnover-worthy plays. You start talking about big-time throws much to my dismay. We love big time throws. That's the first time you've ever mentioned it, isn't it? I know, it? probably. Um, yes. We talk about passer rating. We talk about drop rate. These are significant things that move the line for quarterback statistics because here in particular, his passer rating does not align with PFF's grade. And it's because passer rating is not assigning blame correctly. Passer rating is just a metric that tells you how effective the overall passing game is. Correct. But it doesn't tell you how much of that was the quarterback. And how much of that was the receivers? Uh, how much of that was defenders screwing it up? There's a bunch of things at play in pass rating that are not quarterback. Quarterback, obviously, is the guy throwing the ball every time. But that's not telling you whether it was accurate, whether it was a defender dropping it, whether a receiver dropped it, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of stuff plays into pass rating that, it get, that doesn't get factored into to the quarterback's number. And obviously, we've said over time, pass rating gets you there. Like, yes. You know, over a 15-year career. Right. 
Good Whereas the PFF grading, the play-by-play analysis, is factoring in every single one of these plays, whether it's good or bad. Sometimes it aligns perfectly with passer rating, and therefore we will happily use passer rating as saying, you know, as a way of articulating that message. Right. When it doesn't align perfectly with that, and in fact it diverges from that dramatically because of a series of plays that get hidden in the passer rating metric, we'll try and explain why. Obviously, we didn't do a good enough job of that. No, I think that's fair. And like I said, I think we only sometimes you only hear the negative feedback, and I apologize for getting too far down that rabbit hole mm. on Twitter this week. Um, because I, I try to ignore the negativity these days um, because I think a lot of our listeners also came back and said, hey, that's a fair explanation. And, you know, we're just we're fair with that. We, we made the same argument against Deshaun Watson last year. Like, hey, hold the phone on his stats last year. They're inflated based off of how he's actually played on the field. Um, here's what I'm fascinated by from a matchup standpoint, though. Some of the numbers I dug up this week, um, Mike Zimmer in that Minnesota Vikings defense has been just fantastic. Uh, against young quarterbacks, but especially when they blitz. And I remember two years ago, Carson Wentz was kind of rolling uh, his rookie season, grading really well for us. He goes in, plays Minnesota, and just really struggled. Didn't know what was happening. So it made me think, okay, how do, how is Mike Zimmer, how is that Minnesota defense done when blitzing since 2015? I put this cutoff on there. And I posted this on Twitter this week, and I showed the PFF grades for all quarterbacks against the blitz. And then PFF grades for quarterbacks who have played the Vikings when they blitz who, after you know, a certain number of attempts. So NFL quarterbacks against the blitz since that time, Brady, Breeze, Watson, Mahomes, Matt Ryan, Carr, whatever. They're all in the 80s, 90s. All the top quarterbacks are in the top. You know, they've got really good grades. Against the Vikings blitz since 2015, only two quarterbacks have graded above 70 out of 21. 19 quarterbacks have graded under 70 against the blitz. And 10 quarterbacks have graded under 60 against the Blitz since 2015. The only two above 70, Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins, who now, of course, is on Minnesota. And that last name was the most interesting thing on that list to me. It's that Kirk Cousins was the one guy essentially able to do something against that Blitz. And it's probably not a coincidence that he's now on the team there. And they were like, hey, he... He beat us. He did right. pretty well with this. Let's go. We said him. this for years. You see, every single year, there's a signing that gets made in free agency, and you can trace back the strong games that guy had against that team. You know, you think back to Eric Walden getting signed by the Indianapolis Colts, who had basically what years worth of terrible play for Green Bay and like two good games against the Colts. Yes. So right. they sign him to right. a healthy free agent deal. I mean, this is another version of that, right? It's Kirk Cousins improbably impressed Mike Zimmer more than most quarterbacks given how he was able to diagnose and deal with the blitz that he's that he's so successful with versus everybody else. Yeah, no, so the other interesting number about this, Mitch Trubisky on this list, he only has 16 attempts here. He's 6 for 16 uh, in the two times that he's played Zimmer. One of them was his first ever game. Uh, but he's 8th from a grading standpoint, 62.7 on this list. This year, however, Trubisky's grade against the blitz is about 34 and it's another one of those where his grade against the Blitz is only is 34 on our 0-100 to 100 system, which is really bad. Passer rating is about 89. So the stats are actually pretty good. So there's been a little, you know, disconnect there. So I'm not saying, hey, Vikings should be blitzing every down. That's not how football works. But that's the matchup. I think Trubisky continues to really struggle with Blitz recognition uh, and, and making good decisions against the Blitz. So I think this will be the matchup to watch in this game. 
Yeah, and then the other thing is Khalil Mack against that Vikings offensive line, which, I mean, that looks terrible. Yeah, that's rough. Um, and you think about it, it sounds simple, right? It's like Khalil Mack, okay, devastating player. Let's just chip him all day. Let's send a tight end to help. Let's, let's double team this guy all day long. But uh, Khalil Mack has four sacks when more than one blocker have attempted to block him this season. That leads the league. There was a, you know, a video that I posted last week of him demolishing a chip block, running right over the left tackle and getting a sack anyway against left the Detroit Lions. Whatever. That's stepped on. Two guys just absolutely marmalized him, got himself a sack. I mean, I don't know that there's a way of stopping Khalil Mack, particularly if you're the Vikings offensive line, which is not good. Yeah. Um, leads the league in total pressures given up. What is it, 161? 161 pressures. I think that's for the entire offense. Either way, 161 pressures allowed for the Vikings is number one. And now that we've got more information on what quarterback play under pressure means, you know, how do you position this whole thing? Congrats to Kirk Cousins and kudos even for playing really well under pressure to this point. It's made some unbelievable throws under pressure. Proper kudos. Why are you mocking me? Because give them kudos. How did you? How did you? What did you characterize that as earlier? Well, I said I called it lucky. Yes, which is really, but it's more. It's unstable, Sam. <laughs> right? It's unstable. So, at what point do you say kudos, Kirk Cousins? Because right now you have the number one catchable pass rate under pressure at eighty three percent. The number three passer rating at ninety one point five. Lucky. However, we know that that's not in line with anything he's done in his career. Yeah. And it's not even that, that's not really the issue. It's just that we know that underplay pressure, pressure, play under pressure fluctuates. Mm -hmm. So does it fluctuate in the second half of the season? Does he make it through the whole season at this high level of play? And then next year he hits a big regression. You just never know what's going to hit. Yeah. And it's just a risky way to play football, having Kirk Cousins under pressure over 40% of the time. I mean, every time he drops back, that's not the way to win football games. No, it's a terrible game plan. I mean, you don't set out to get your quarterback under a huge amount of pressure because for some reason he's playing really well under pressure at the moment. Like, it's still worse than if he wasn't under pressure. It's not a good thing. Right. Um, I, what is interesting, though, is you spend, because it's so out of character with the rest of his career, you spend the first half of the season, you're like, okay, when's this going to hell like the wheels are falling off this wagon sooner or later when's it happening then you reach like the halfway point and you get beyond that and you're like well maybe this is one of those weird years where a guy for some reason is able to completely put together this anomalous season in his career and we're going to see Kirk Cousins playing well under pressure all season long and then you spend like the last half of the season thinking well maybe, maybe that is going to happen I mean you could make it through a season right the other interesting matchup in this game is I ran these numbers ostensibly to mock Kelvin Benjamin, but oh, the other God. end of the scale was fun as well. So I was looking at contested catch numbers, right? Because Kelvin Benjamin's a contested catch guy. So and the reason I looked at this is because there was that play last week where he was throwing a perfect pass in the end zone, jump ball way over the top of the defensive back, still somehow conspired to not come down with it. You're like, if you can't come down with this contested catch, you genuinely have no purpose out there. You are a contested catch guy who can't win contested catches. You're an offensive lineman. Right. So his overall catch rate this season is 37%. And his contested catch rate, and by that I mean the percentage of contested targets caught, is 20%. That is basically as bad as anybody in the league, right? It's top five most pathetic contested catch rates of anybody. But the other end of the scale, so last season Stephon Diggs led the league in contested catch rate, 65%-ish. The, uh, Thielen was in the top five somewhere. No, sixth. Thielen was sixth. 
But Stephon Diggs is right up there again this year. He's top 10 again this season. And you could make a pretty good case that the best contested catch receiver in the NFL is like six foot 185. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. Stephon Diggs. Um, Antonio Brown's way low on that list, right? This was year, he, yeah. Was he like two for 18 or something like yeah. that? One, one was week one against uh, Denzel Ward. Yeah. No, he has, I think he's bottom five somewhere as well. But unlike Kelvin Benjamin, I don't think he's always bottom five. Oh, no. He's typically among the best. I mean, that's the only thing Kelvin's supposed to be able to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, So I've taken, I've taken Minnesota in this game and you've taken Chicago. You're trying to get our Bears fans back. No, I I mean, it's, it's in Chicago and they're going to destroy the Vikings offensive line with Khalil Mack. Yeah. And I'll be interested again. Plus the team versus Zimmer. I can't wait for this matchup. Um, so much like last year, um, felt like Philly fans got really mad at us. And I said, we're the nice Philly fans. Could you guys come out and, you know, say hello? Mm-hmm. I'll make the same pitch to Bears fans. We're our friendly. Where's Lauren Cox and our friendly Bears fans? I was listening to a radio thing earlier this week where <laughs> Eagles fans were, they were um, defending, booing the team off at halftime against mm. the Dallas Cowboys because yeah. screw what they did last year. That was year. last year. What have you done for me lately? What have you done for me this season? And you haven't won a Super Bowl for me this season, so I'm going to boo you. you wanna, I'm going to really piss them off. Just like, Santa, I know you brought me toys last year. Right. Where are they now? What are you doing for me this year? Yeah. I'm going to boo you until I get my toys. But like you said, Philly the, fans hate when you mention that they boo The most Santa. interesting thing about Eagles fans is that the most mad we've ever made them was when we told them their offensive line was the best in the league. Oh my gosh. Our mentions blew up. Every time Carson Wentz faced pressure in the first right. five weeks last year, it's like, where's that best offensive line? Yeah. Best offensive line in the NFL? You kidding me? Our offensive line's terrible. We hate that you told us we have the best offensive line. I think that actually articulates them better than booing Santa Claus. I agree. It's that, no. We not, complimented you. Right. I understand the idea of hating everybody, but you actually got mad at got the most mad at us when we told you your offensive line was the best. That's that's Philadelphia fans. And they were really last year. So the same thing we're doing with Trubisky this year. Last year was, hey, Carson Wentz has really good stats. He's not playing at that level. He's a little bit below that. He's not an MVP candidate in our world. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of hate for that as well. There's probably, like you said, most of the time passer rating and PFF grade will match up. There's probably five or six quarterbacks a year where it's either far apart or wide enough that it changes the narrative. And uh, Wentz was one of the guys last year, Trubisky this year. Quarterback is that thing, though, where I think you're going to piss off most fan bases if you tell them their quarterback isn't great. Yeah, that's true. So be encouraged, Bears fans. Trubisky's going to continue to get better. It's just going to be sunshine and rainbows going forward. I mean, we did finish that point by saying it was a good thing. Because, you know, the offensive system is great. The receivers are great. I think everybody gave the thumbs down and bailed before before that. that. Yeah, right. I think so. Um, All right, let's move on to... The uh, the rest of the slate. Did you have a Dalton coaster, or is this in a random order? I think you can apply it, the Dalton coaster to the Washington Redskins. Oh, I like it. So what? Houston Texans at Washington Redskins. Right. Well. Yeah. I mean, what the hell are the Washington Redskins right now? I think we've been saying for a while that I think the Houston Texans are probably a little bit overrated, but this Washington team is crazy. We talked about that statistic that they've never experienced a lead change yet this season. They either win handsomely, they lead from the get-go, or they lose, and they've never shown the likelihood of going back and reversing that. So now they're going at home. That defense has been up and down. Um, The offense has been basically on the shoulders of Alex Smith and the running game. But 
it, the receivers aren't capable of getting anything done. I don't. Sometimes they look really good. I know you keep saying that they're like the worst six and three team ever, but sometimes they do look legitimately good in those wins. And then they when it's just when they lose, it looks abysmal. So that, I, I guess now I'm going to you know the George and Eric theory, which is like, all right, you can defense. Defense is dependent on who you play, essentially. So if we look at the Washington Redskins getting absolutely torched by, say, the Saints, torched by the Falcons, and who else? Did they, and they lost to the Colts, right? So mm-hmm. three pretty good offenses where they had a good defensive effort. Credit them against the Packers. Yeah. Even though the Packers still, they're not as good as a normal Aaron Rodgers-led team, but they beat up on the Arizona Cardinals. They beat the Panthers. That's a pretty good offensive team. They beat Dallas. Eh, they're in shambles, kind of. They're not a great offensive team. They beat the Giants, holding them to 13. They're a bad offensive team. And they beat the Bucks, who this was just the weirdest game in history. They gave up 495 yards and three points. So the point that the analytics guys always make is that when a team is ranked well defensively, you can actually just go back and point it to which offense they played. Therefore, mm-hmm. offense is the stable part of the entire equation. And that's where I think it's just tough to believe in the Redskins because their offense is not an offense that you can get behind. Yeah. Because Alex, I mean, that passing attack, I mean, it's in the bottom third of the league. Right. And the defense is is good when they get a good matchup and then exploited when they get a bad matchup, essentially. Yeah, I just don't know that actually, uh, that whole theory makes in, makes sense. I think it's probably true overall with the, the weight of large numbers kind of deal. I just don't know that it explains this Washington team because like it you say, not. they did beat a pretty good offensive Carolina team. They did. They have beaten some good offenses. Um, it's just that I don't, think that this team is in the, is remotely consistent week to week and when it's it doesn't seem it's not anything in the middle it's either really good or really bad right well it's a pretty good stretch that they have here texans at the at dallas uh, is that thanksgiving yeah at, at dallas on thanksgiving and then at philadelphia so a couple division games after the texans um and we talked about this a couple weeks ago the texans don't have a ridiculously difficult schedule down the stretch here either and now they've got the Colts and the Titans making a move in the AFC South. It's going to be a tough, uh, tough stretch run in the AFC South here. So I chose Washington in this game. Who did you go? You're with? a biased columnist. I just want something interesting to happen so I can write about it. You're a Washington columnist now. Yeah. I took Houston. Okay. I took Houston. I'm not a believer in the Redskins. I'm not e- either, but I'm not a believer in the Texans either. Well, there we go. This will be a good game. Should be an interesting game. Carolina Panthers at the Detroit Lions. Another couple fan bases that hate us. <laughs> um, this is great. Have we pissed everyone off yet? We should. I mean, this is the thing we should be tracking, right? If we could get this put up on Parker behind just, us, just start taking off, taking off the, the the fan bases as we piss each if one off. If you're a fan base and you like us, let us know, just so we can, you know, talk some hate about your team. Yeah, so we can get the set. Are the Carolina Panthers, what are they, 6-3? and three? <laughs> Are they the worst 6-3 and three team in history? They just got absolutely destroyed by Pittsburgh last Thursday night. Um, they're going to Detroit. Detroit just got destroyed by the Bears. Uh, Detroit's been pretty inconsistent, too. I still feel like they've just kind of regressed back into what they should have been the last two years from a roster standpoint. That's my feeling. Yeah. Um, Carolina still doing some nice, nice things offensively. I thought um, we keep talking about grade versus... Um, stats cam newton had those two easy touchdowns to christian mccaffrey last thursday night to keep the stats pretty but his pick six sam 
under pressure and he just he literally chucked it into the middle of the field yeah, to, that was, to no one. That was terrible. That was one of the worst decisions you'll see. Easy yeah. pick six for your boy uh, Vince Williams, right? Oh, no. Vince set up. Who had the pick six? was Vince, wasn't it? Did Vince set up? Did he put the pressure on? No, I think he got... Didn't he get the pick six? Because he redeemed himself with like two plays after one ridiculously horrible play and coverage. I'm in my own head because I saw some... I saw Vince or someone... Someone... Vince thanked someone on Twitter for it or something. I think he thanked Bud Dupree, whoever got the pressure. I think that's what it was. Could have been, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure he got the pick. Vince he made, had the pick six. He made like two plays after getting eviscerated by Christian McCaffrey down yes. the sideline initially. Yeah. Um, so Christian McCaffrey has developed into this every down player to the point where they just went and released C.J. Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is playing so much, we don't even have a need for you in the roster. Now, I'm sure C.J. Anderson was kind of like, hey, guys, how about you cut me so I can actually get some playing time somewhere? And they were nice about it. Good. Sure. Right. Um, but like Christian McCaffrey has turned into such an every down player that they have had no reason for any other running back. So how much he's been playing... Cam Newton has 569 snaps this year. Christian McCaffrey has 554. That's crazy. Like, he's, he's almost never off the field. That's still second to Todd Gurley, but I don't have the Rams have their bye week yet. Uh, I don't know, but I, I guarantee like, so. the percentages won't be the same, right? Like, Christian McCaffrey's right. got to be higher. Right. McCaffrey this year, uh, 54 receptions on 62 targets for 439 yards, four scores, forced 10 missed tackles. Uh, just an efficient receiver that they're using. I like the way they're moving him around, using him, schemed up a couple nice plays for him the other night as well. Yeah, 96.3% of his snaps. That's Christian crazy McCaffrey for is on the field for. And Todd Gurley has been on for just 84.5. Yeah, that's crazy for a running back. Yeah, it's insane. Like, running backs do not play that amount. I and, mean, that's, and it's only, it, that's like, a workhorse back in the day. Right. It would be notable for any running back, but it's particularly notable when you're saying it's Christian McCaffrey, a guy who is... You know, a small back that people wanted to label almost a scat back style guy. He's the biggest workhorse in the NFL right now. Yep. Uh, so who do you have in this one? It's a good question. Who do I have? Uh, I went with Detroit. Home. See, Steve, in the dome. And I went Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Wow, go, I'm the only person taking Panthers. Detroit? Yeah, people aren't believing. I mean, they're a little better team in the dome, but... Uh, so we're, I'm taking Carolina. Let's get to uh, Dallas Cowboys at the Atlanta Falcons. Before we do that, out of out of curiosity, do you think that if he was given a running start, Christian McCaffrey could actually move Damon Harrison backwards if he if he if he hit him? Like, let's say he had a 10 yard head start, was running into the line, and the only thing there is Dame, or is Damon Harrison like this, just ready to engulf him. Do you think Christian McCaffrey would even move him backwards? No. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. You saw. You also saw McCaffrey's weakness on Thursday night in pass protection. Got whooped he did for a sack. Also gave bad. up a hurry. Um, he doesn't have to do it too often, but it's it's ugly when he really has to. And that's what makes me think he's probably not going to put a dent in. Big, where did that come from? What kind of question is that? Well, they're playing each other. Yeah, but it's not like it's out of left field entirely. I mean, okay. you talk about right. a running back that's running up the middle against a guy who's immovable in the middle. Okay, fair point. Uh, Dallas Cowboys at the Atlanta Falcons. My question, will anyone on the Falcons have six sacks in this game like they did in last year's matchup? I don't believe so. You don't think so? No. Chaz Green's not starting. Adrian Claiborne's no longer (laughs) in Atlanta. Uh, This was a beatdown for Atlanta last year in their matchup because, well, Dak got sacked eight million times, six of which came from Adrian Claiborne. Uh... Dallas went from 
the team where we're going to blow the whole thing up to they beat the Eagles on the road in prime time. Like, how did that happen yeah. on Sunday Night Football? I mean, that was a huge turnaround when everybody's ready to just completely turn around that exor- uh, that entire organization. Yeah. The most interesting thing about this game could be the return of Deion Jones, who was yes. activated from the injured reserve, made it through his first practice on Thursday, yesterday, today, depending on when you're listening. Right. Um, or even beyond that, if you're listening super late, but I can't be held responsible for that. So Deion Jones could be back on the field. And as we know, he makes a massive difference to this defense with the coverage that he's able to have um, for that Falcons team. That could be fun because he, the Falcons have been another one of those teams that's been a little bit listless, a little bit inconsistent this year. He is a legitimate difference maker as a coverage matchup player. He is. He really is. And I'll be there next week. They play New Orleans, and he's had some big plays against Drew Brees. I mean, Kamara. it's not. It's really not the same Atlanta defense that we've seen no. in the last couple of years. And I, I don't. I don't think you chalk it all up to Deion Jones. It's, it's everyone else it, too. But he is definitely a difference maker in the middle. Um, the big difference for me in this one is Atlanta playing in a dome. Dome. Matt Ryan a sixty-five grade last week outdoors. You know, um, but his last two dome games a ninety and an eighty-six. So. <laughs> That's what we're expecting. Well, at least it's progressed now from just Pennsylvania to all of outside. Oh, he's been but pretty much just, you know, tri-state with a little bit of Washington in there. Yeah. Two, he's been in Pennsylvania twice, mm-hmm. at Washington and at Cleveland. Yeah. So, you know, he hasn't traveled a whole lot. Not too far. No. Those road games. But when it's outside, like before, when it was just Pennsylvania, that was strange. Now at least we can put it down. It was. Anytime he has to go outside. Through week seven, his only outdoor games were in Pennsylvania. Yes. And he's coming off of back-to-back outdoor games in which his grading was okay at best. Maybe Maddie just doesn't like the snow. Doesn't like the cold. But he's from Philadelphia. Plus his nickname's Maddie Ice. It would be ironic if Maddie Ice didn't like the cold weather. It would be. It would be ironic. Uh, still can't figure out what to make of this Dallas team. Mike Renner this week, our guy, talked about them having the best defense maybe uh, in the NFC East. Maybe the favorite in the NFC East in his mind, even though they're so far behind the Redskins. I love their defense. I love so much about their defense. They've been extremely inconsistent on the road. The fact that they did win in Philadelphia I thought was a massive surprise. But I just, I don't know. I just like Atlanta. I just, I, even their good defense, going back to this whole theory, right? I don't care what their defense is. Atlanta's offense dictates in the dome, and I think they're going to be too much for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up because there's a lot of talent on that Dallas defense. They've got some interesting um, kind of playmakers on defense, matchup kind of players. Those linebackers are extremely athletic and actually useful in coverage. You've got a guy like Byron Jones with that length to go one-on-one against a guy like Julio uh, Julio Jones. So I'm kind of fascinated. That's the side of the ball that I'm really interested in. The Dallas yeah. defense against that Atlanta offense. Leighton Van Der Esch flying around the field right now as well. So we're all taking Atlanta across the board in PFF. Yep. Can we go quick through some of these games? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we go slow. Sometimes we should go quicker. Yeah. Tampa Bay Bucks at the New York Giants. I'm taking the Giants and so are you. Why? Uh, because the, the magic has run out. That's pretty much Ryan it. Ryan Fitzmagic is, is out of magic. And the Giants are riding the high of Monday night's big comeback against the 49ers. Sure. Also, you know, Ryan Fitzmagic's gone. There's no more. The Fitzmagic is gone. Yeah. His return to New York, it's going to be swirling winds. He can't throw in that. He did it two years ago, but, you know, he had one good year 
and it was okay with the Jets. He's just, I mean, we said it right from the outset, right? <laughs> He's probably not capable of a year of good play. No. You get X amount of games out of Fitzpatrick, and it's just a case of cashing in while you can. JPP versus Nate Solder. Old Giants and New Giants. Yeah, JPP hasn't been great. In fact, the entire, all of the additions to that Tampa Bay Bucks defensive line, the ones that were supposed to help Gerald McCoy, haven't. Mm. And for the fifth straight year. Right. But what's really interesting is McCoy has fallen off as well. I know. So it used to be a case of it didn't matter if all the people they brought in sucked because McCoy was still amazing. Now McCoy's not been amazing this year and the people haven't been good. So it's still bad. It's not great. Bucks at Giants. We're all taking the Giants except Renner and Zach taking the Bucks. They're going Fitzmagic. Yep. Uh, let's go. Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Not sure if you've got the, Ooh, the captain. The captain reading. Hang on. But um, this week, we did a video on our best and worst offensive lines. We did a whole article on it. Colts are at number four. We did. It's a good captain reading this week, so I'm glad you reminded me of that because I'd forgotten. Cue the music. Uh, this, is, this one's got some tricky, tricky words in it as well. I'm going to have to be on my game. So I read it in my head, and I said, I don't know if I know how to pronounce that. I can't wait to see what, what, what Sam does. Okay, perfect. Dearest Mother. I have received your care package of flowered hedgehog thighs and hardened raccoon cakes. Scouts report the 10C Titans inch closer. Our unit continues its preparations in the hope of obtaining yet another victory. The men are sanguine as they are ready. As they ready, rather. Andrew. Damn it. I got the sanguine part right, and then I ran the rest of the sentence off the rails. Yeah. The men are sanguine as they ready. Andrew. You deserve that for the alliteration that you gave me for one of our voiceovers this week. I don't know what your problem is. If you that can't was, read words, that's not my that fault. ridiculous. Like self-centered scat back or something that you gave me. I yeah, don't know you, you came out of the room complaining about this sentence that I'd given you, say, saying it perfectly. I in, nailed it. In <laughs> ten straight like re- repetitions of it. I can't possibly be expected to say this thing. I'm not going to rattle off ten times without problems. Well, I was angry. Yeah. And it made it work. Uh, in this game, we talked about the Colts offensive line, number four in the NFL. It is just amazing. Uh, so narratives can change based off of scheme and usage and all that stuff. And there's maybe never a better example where Andrew Luck goes from this guy who his entire career, deep dropbacks, thrown down the field, too many turnover-worthy plays, which he hasn't completely cut out of his game. But now a quicker passing game, a better offensive line. He's now faced the sixth lowest pressure percentage in the NFL, 29.5. The highest he's ever ranked in that number, Sam, is 19th. Most of the time, he's in the low 20s, facing the most pressure in the NFL. He's got a 90.6 PFF grade from a clean pocket, second in the NFL in touchdowns with 21. By far the most protected he's ever been in his career. Yeah, and the thing is, there were flashes that that might be the way to go uh, You know, a while ago. They were trying to protect him at times. They ran a few games of this kind of quick-style offense earlier in his career, and he was fantastic doing it. So yeah, as much as they really kind was. of – the entire game plan appeared to be built for years around basically, don't worry, he's made of pig iron, he'll be okay. We can have seven-step drops and have him killed, and he'll get through it. He's durable. And then he became very not durable, so we had to go to that system. And it turns out he's probably better doing that anyway. And our guy, Zach Robinson, has a great take on this, too, because if you look at all of their past concepts, you know, it's what Zach always classifies as pure progression concepts. You know, it's not just half-field reads. I mean, it's literally going from one side to the next side and all that stuff. And his theory on it was people, sometimes you just trust your quarterback so much that's 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 an example of putting a lot on his plate. You're like, okay, this is a complicated scheme, but he can handle it. But then it puts him in harm's way because it's deeper drops and all that all that stuff. 
when all of our numbers pointed to actually in the quick game, he is excellent. So if you do that, you can have some success. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tennessee, coming off two big wins, beat the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Patriots, dominated them the last, last week. Can they keep it up at Indianapolis? This is now a huge matchup in the AFC South. Mariota's playing pretty well the last couple weeks. And that Tennessee defense, I feel like we can, we can still talk about defense. It still matters a little bit. The defense has made things difficult on opposing offenses the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm well, um, still going with the Colts, though. Um, I think this Andrew Luck team will be able to get some joy against that Tennessee defense. I don't think it's particularly good. Um, and then the Colts defense, despite being a collection of weird you know, bodies and no great scheme is actually half okay. They're running they, that cover two type right. scheme. Darius Leonard's number two in our rookie of the year, defensive rookie yeah, of the they year. They basically rating, just create uh, this rating. idiot proof defense and hopefully, I uh, hope that that will slow enough teams down. It seems to actually do that. It does. Uh, we're both taking Indianapolis in this one. Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I picked this before I knew who was playing quarterback, <laughs> but I still picked Baltimore. So does I guess it even I matter? Care. It's what you got to ask yourself. Matters a little bit. Nah, doesn't. So we thought we were going to see Lamar Jackson at quarterback, and I was kind of intrigued by that because we've seen Lamar Jackson as part of this gimmick quarterback package all the way through the season. Yeah. I actually wanted to see what the offense looked like with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Like, presumably, they're not just going to run the gimmick package over and over and over again. You have to let him play quarterback. They're actually going to have an offense that's built around him, right? And it's probably not going to be the same one that Joe Flacco has been running. So I was really curious to see what this Lamar Jackson offense looked like. Then he goes and gets an upset stomach, and now we're going to see RG3 instead. Yeah. And an RG3 offense is probably not going to look great. No, I don't have a ton of faith in RG3. No. So we all took Baltimore, but I might be regretting We all took Baltimore, and we're all sadly lamenting that choice. Right Baltimore's now. defense does a pretty good job at home. Um, so that could be a factor. Going against yeah. Dalton, injured AJ Green, all of the uh, Tylers. Bengals have a lot. All the Tylers. Bengals have a lot on the line here uh, to try to keep their season alive. Well, also they've got this like they have to. You've got to have some kind of reaction, right? After getting the living crap kicked out of you by the Saints, you can't yeah. just roll into the next week and get that happen again. You actually have to try and respond in some way. Plus, Hugh Jackson's now in the building. He's going to help the defense, right? A special assistant to. Marvin Lewis. Oh, man. That's, the local news over here in Cincinnati, they're they covering it pretty closely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Seeing Hugh at practice and everything, seeing the clips. And Marvin's funny. defensive coordinator now. He's, like, taking over the defense. He's, like, hands-on. Have you seen those, the B-roll in practice where he's, like, yeah, manhandling linebackers yeah, and stuff? In there. Right. You got to watch the clinic. You got to watch the overhead projector clinic. I'm not watching two hours of OHP sheets. Just watch the, watch the first hour. No, you'll learn no, about I'm going to do that either. If you can distill sex, it for me in techniques. like four minutes, what's it? What do your YouTube metrics say? The average watch time? How, how much? How many minutes do you get before somebody switches off? You put it into. That, I don't want to admit. What you our, put it into that number of minutes, and I'll watch it. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. All right. Well, do that then. Okay. All right. Let's go. Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. Another one of those <laughs> matchups that was probably more appealing. Uh, before the season, I don't want to completely write Jacksonville off, and neither do you, because you picked them. Your uh, notes here simply read Pitt's Pittsburgh. Pitt, yeah, Pitt is hot. They're hot. They're hot. Playing well. Okay. Big Ben's turning the season around. So this is what we said earlier in the year. Uh, the same Trubisky argument. Hey, Big Ben is the biggest difference between PFF grade and stats. The encouraging part is he'll probably play better because there's a history <laughs> of him playing better. 
And that's good. The fact that he's managed a 90-plus passer rating while playing so horribly right. is a minor miracle. There are, Wait till he starts playing well. There are times where you need to understand that this is actually a good message to be delivering. Yeah. It's like your quarterback is playing so much worse than his box score stats suggest. However, that means if he does come back and play better, things are going to be fantastic. Right. Um, That's where Pittsburgh is right now. People don't Top seem to, to listen past the however part. They just switch off at the initial hate and then... <sighs> You know, blind blinkers of rage come down and they're no longer able to assimilate information. That's right. Because they're just seething in the corner. That's what they do. I mean, I would just, I would just, you know, beseech them to listen beyond that part. Try and diffuse the rage and listen to the message that's being conveyed. So this whole, um, you can't bank on the defense and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. the Jaguars, the Jaguars roster construction just epitomizes... I think, and this is why our guys had them with a major regression this year. Um, last year, they wanted to play this ball control system. Their defense last year was very good, but if you do look at the game by game, a lot of it was, you know, we're playing Tom Savage in Houston. We're playing Des- Deshaun Jackson for only, Deshaun Watson for only a half. The other half was Tom Savage. There was a lot of bad defense. They played Blaine Gabbard. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So their defense was excellent last year. And then because they were in most games, they ran the ball more than most. Leonard Fournette managed his 3.9 yards per carry. Blake Bortles didn't screw it up too much. And it's like, oh, this is the formula. The problem with that formula is it's tough to rely on the defense the next year. And at some point, you need your passing game to do something. And they don't have that. Yeah. The, the Jags also just lost their best offensive lineman. Brandon Linder has gone down, which leaves them with no good offensive lineman. Um, and really, this is the argument against Leonard Fournette, right? It's not that Leonard Fournette sucks as a player. He needs linemen. It's that if you have five bad offensive linemen in front of him, he averages less than three yards per carry, which is what we're seeing happen right now. It's rough. And actually, that was with four bad offensive linemen and one good one. Right. So now you have five bad offensive linemen because I'm going to assume that they're not able to pluck a backup off the bench to replace the one good offensive lineman they have because virtually no NFL team is able to do that. So right. let's assume that they now have five bad offensive linemen. Fournette was averaging 2.8 yards per carry before the fifth guy went down. So And you're taking Jacksonville. Yeah. Now this is... Uh, what. To be fair, this is what you, know, you and I are tied in our picks. We're actually right. tied for sixth or so on pick one. Damn Browns guy. So I'm assuming this is just so you could try to catch a game on me. Yes. Yes, it is. That I finally started the tactical, the tactical lone wolf pick. So we're going to be separated this week by whatever happens by this game in Washington, Houston. Everything else we have is the same. Yeah. Uh, and then Nathan is a game up on us. He's gone with with Green Bay. Him and I have first the pick. same. Uh, we all have the same picks, other than Green Bay. Uh, no, you differed mm-hmm. on. Oh, we also differ on Chicago, Chicago, Minnesota. Oh, we do. So this. So he's gone with me in Chicago. Call this separation Sunday. Right. He's gone with me on Chicago. He's gone against both of us with Green Bay. He has gone with Houston. So we sided with you there. Uh, it's, the same. it's terrible, right? You're just reading the a list. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. But we're going to separate ourselves in our list. Yeah. We also differ later on as well. In fact, your idea that we only separate ourselves twice is laughable, looking at the list. Laughable. It's not Sorry. even close. Can we, um, can we save Raiders-Cardinals for the end? The end of time? <laughs> the end of the podcast? That will, that'll be the big finale. Oh, yeah? Best okay. game of the week. That's fine. Uh, we haven't talked to Eagles-Saints yet. That's kind of a big one. Uh, Saints, best team in the NFC? 
I I don't know if they're the best team in the NFC. I think they now give the Rams real problems that they need to negotiate, whereas before it seemed like pretty smooth sailing that it was just going to be the Rams all the way and this would be the this would be the NFC team in the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not even talking about the, that they lost to the Saints. Um it's more that they lost and that now does it doesn't give them any margin for error to get home field advantage, which I right. think is important now because I think in a neutral field, the Rams are probably a better team. Certainly, if they get healthy, guys like Aqib Tlaib coming back, I think they're better than the Saints. But if you have to go to New Orleans, like that's a different ball game. Like yeah. the Rams going to New Orleans, I don't know that they're the favorites in that game. And so the remainder of their season, to me, is basically ensuring that doesn't happen, which doesn't give them a lot of wiggle room. So the Saints do have this incredibly potent offense. The defense is... It's it's another inconsistent defense, right? They're all in the middle of the pack. They're all capable of more, seemingly, but they don't show it every single week. So you've got um, Sheldon Rankins, who's playing out of his mind in playing really the last well. few weeks, yeah. just benching offensive linemen back to the quarterback every single play. You've got Cameron Jordan. You've got a lot of talent there. You've got all Alex Anzalone making plays before he inevitably he breaks something. Yeah, that's going to happen. He, has he played more NFL snaps than he played in his six years of college? I think it's I know, close. But I, I saw somebody recently referring to him as an incredibly productive college player. What? Right. He literally played 650 snaps yeah, in like five years. Right. Now, I mean, no, you, there's no way of even... You can't even spin that to being like, in those 600 snaps, he was incredible. No, you, if you only played 600 snaps in five years, you were not productive. The end. You were not. Ah, poor guy. Yeah, he had five years there at Florida... Uh, part of a massive linebacker recruiting class, I remember, and just uh, never could get on the field. He's got 388 NFL snaps, so, so no. he's almost caught up to his college snaps. He's also already broken himself, right? He went and missed half of last year yeah. injured. No, he had a pretty sweet pick yeah. uh, against the Rams, and uh, he preceded me on NFL oh, Network Oh, you know who it was week. that said he was an incredibly productive player? I've just remembered. It was Siciliano. No, it was Marvin oh. Lewis on the radio talking about them. I, that's who it was. That's like the Wilkes quote we'll get to. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, again, I just think when you look at how difficult the NFC is, the Saints, this is no easy game, even at home for the Saints. The Eagles, they're depleted in the secondary, but I don't think you write them off as just an easy win. And then the Saints have to turn around and face the Falcons on Thursday yeah. on Thanksgiving night. So it's kind of a big stretch for the Saints with right. you know every single game mattering when it comes to home field advantage. And as much as you know, you're now claiming the defense doesn't really matter, the, the Eagles have a defensive front that will make life difficult for every offense they face. They are too good to not be a factor in basically every single game. Now, even though they're going up against the Saints, who have one of the best offensive lines in the game, like Fletcher Cox, if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, would be seen as maybe the best defender in football right now. He is an absolute mm-hmm. force. I would say that even including Aaron Donald, there is no defensive lineman capable of ragdolling a potential blocker as much as uh, Fletcher Cox is. We like, gave him the best bull rush in our ESPN article. Yeah, like he uh, will best take NFL player at everything. He will take powerful guards and just toss them aside like they're not even there. I, I mean, I including Donald, I've seen nobody ever do that to certain players the way Fletcher Cox is able to do it. Plus, they've got three edge rushers in the top 15 in total pressures. Like the, the defensive front is still pretty ridiculous. It's just that they're exposed too much on the back end. So if you want to just sum the Eagles up quickly, right? Mm-hmm. In 2016, going into the year, we said, this roster is incredible. But my concern was that they were weak. At, they had the worst receiving core in the NFL, and they were bad at corner. Yeah. 
Last year, in the Super Bowl year, the receivers, playmakers, much, played much better. The cornerbacks played much better. Are they now essentially the 2016 Eagles because they're depleted in the secondary? The playmakers are still pretty good with Alshon Jeffrey and what Zach Ertz is doing. But the secondary is back at that 2016 level that makes them so inconsistent. Yeah, week the secondary, week. definitely. The offense, I think, has its own problems. And I don't know that they have put their finger on what they are yet. Like, the players are still there. The playmakers are still there. They brought in Golden Tate. The talent is there. Carson Wentz is still playing pretty well. The scheme isn't quite clicking the way it used to. They're well, not having the same success with RPOs and all that kind of stuff. They just haven't quite figured it out yet on offense. And I know... It's hurt a little bit by the offensive line being dramatically worse. Jason Peters playing through a torn bicep and a busted up knee is struggling. And Lane Johnson has been out. So the offensive line is struggling more. But I you think know, there's more to come from that offense. What else it is, though? Last year, Carson Wentz was just so good on third down. Yeah, that's part of it. So good Definitely. on third down. And obviously that moves the chain. Right. If you're bad on second down and you're that great on third down, you're automatically moving the chains. Mm-hmm. And that regressed back a little bit. And that's a huge difference. All right. Two more games. What do we got? Broncos at Chargers. Yes. Any reason for the Broncos to, that the Broncos can win this game? No. No. No, there isn't. All right. We're taking the Chargers. Phillip Rivers, uh, I think, is number three, three slash four in the MVP race. Yeah. I mean, they would need Phillip Rivers to have one of those random Phillip Rivers disaster games for that to be a thing. He hasn't had it yet. No. Right. So that would, this would need to be it for the Broncos to win. Yeah. Um, and then the pillow fight. The game of the week. Oakland Raiders at the Arizona Cardinals. The worst pass rush yep. in the NFL. Not just in the NFL, but... Ever? Yeah. That well, we've ever seen? At least that we've ever seen, right? I'm not going to say ever, ever. Since 2006. The worst pass rush PFF has ever graded. 22% of dropbacks they've created pressure. The next worst team in the NFL is at 27%. That's the Colts. A 5% difference at that low. I mean, it's, it's absurd. Aaron Donald on his own has three fewer pressures than the entire Oakland Raiders defense. Well, pass rushers are tough to find, Sam. They are. That's the thing. Against the Arizona Cardinals, no, they, don't have, they haven't given up the most pressures. No. But they have the lowest grade. They're our worst-ranked offensive line because of what they do as run blockers, poorly. Yeah. What they do as pass blockers. And then it's the speed of the pressure that gets there and also the number of pressures per snap. So a lot of times we give you pressure rate. It's just how many snaps was a quarterback under pressure. The grade might tell you, there was actually three pressures on this play. Right. That's the Cardinals. That's all of their linemen grading poorly in standard drop situations, you know, standard pass protection situations. They've been bad. Yeah, so something have, has to give here. They have the worst pass blocking efficiency score of any team in the league, which is so essentially, a essentially a person on basis, but with waiting towards sacks. So right. they are quantifiably the worst offensive line in the game, the worst pass blocking unit in the league, going up against the most inept pass rush we have ever seen. <sighs> That's the reason to watch. Yeah. The incredibly movable object against a tremendously resistible force. Mari's Hurst breakout game? Which thing will crumble and run away first? I'm, I got Oakland tearing up that bad offensive line. Well, Steve Wilkes was very impressed with their ability to get after the, the quarterback. Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes. That was a legit quote. Yeah. Very impressed. Now, just I, I suggested a bunch of explanations for said quote. Um, either he was joking or he lost a bet to somebody, had to say it. He was working from random answer cue cards where whatever was asked, that was what he was going to read out the answer to. I think that was it. Um, he was drunk. That's possible. What if he was drunk reading cue cards? True. Or he was watching the 2017 Raiders where they had Khalil Mack. That's also a possibility. It's tough. You know, sometimes you click on the wrong year. 
Yeah, when right. I'm watching film. Exactly. You just pull up the wrong ear. Look at this guy tearing us to pieces. Very impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm taking Oakland in this game, and you're taking Arizona. Oh, yeah, so we had a bunch of differences. Yeah, why did I do that? Don't you love when you go back after we right, had like, What was I thinking? Um, I don't have uh, numbers for this situation, but I like to. Th- I think if you're that bad of an offensive line, that might give the bad defensive line a chance I would agree to do with that. something. Yeah. So like, no, this I think, might be the time. That, I mean, yeah. If the Raiders don't get pressure on Josh Rosen in this one, I mean, they're really hopeless. Great pass blocking typically neutralizes great pass rushing. I suspect that terrible pass blocking still finds a way to allow pressure against terrible pass rushing. Yeah, I can see that happening. All right. This is it. Well, Grind your gears. Yeah, I got something Quick. this week. I got something. So, defensive back celebrating an incompletion that they had absolutely nothing to do with. Ooh, right? good one. Good In one. In particular, a guy that gets absolutely torched off the, off the line, running a yard and a half behind the receiver, desperately trying to catch up, and the ball is overthrown, or the receiver drops it, or the receiver managed to step out of bounds somewhere along the way. DB gets up straight away with the incomplete sign celebrating, eyeing the receiver down. You're like, dude, you just got smoked off the line. You cannot celebrate. You're not allowed to do it. You were terrible. I don't even understand it because I mean, we saw you get torched. Yeah. The receiver knows he torched you. Yes. Your coaches know you got torched. Uh-huh. Like, you're not getting a positive Everybody in the, in the building the knows day. you just got smoked. Nobody's, you got an 0 for 1 from PFF stats, and you probably got a minus 1 grade. Yeah. I mean, your coach isn't giving you a positive just because it was incomplete the next day. No. There are many circumstances in which a defensive back should not be allowed to celebrate, and that is definitely one of them. Now, if you do actively break something up, by all means, finger wag or shake your head. Shake your head's a good one. I always like to shake the head shake. Shake your head or finger wag or do whatever you like. The incomplete sign, that's also good. Even when you break it up, sometimes it's after being torched. I'm still okay with that. Depend Well... Most of the time, I'm okay with it. You would have to be very badly smoked for that yeah. for you not to be able to celebrate at the end of that. Ultimately, if you you know redeemed yourself, you made up the the ground, you got back, you broke it up. I'm okay with celebrating, but if you just watched it happen when you were killed, no, stop it. The interesting thing there's really there's two responses when you get smoked as a as a corner. There's the one which is it gets dropped or it's overthrown and you celebrate. The other one is when it's caught and you start pointing. Yeah. And it's like, all right, who, where's my safety help? I was expecting a safety. Where's my safety? Nah. You start pointing. There's a lot of blame going along. Yeah. Can I read you a little oh. funny tweet just to end this podcast on, uh, a, on a happy uh, note? I'm going to send you home happy, Steve. Let's do it. All right. So this is a, a tweet update from Esquire. Um, a, a correction to an article they made. You know, you get these journalistic corrections. We've got to fix an They're error. very important. Yeah. yeah, a mistake we made in the piece. So, yeah, of course. Update. An earlier version of this article referred to Matthew Whitaker as a football star. With 200 yards and two touchdowns in three seasons at Iowa, it appears he was merely an unspectacular player. We regret the error. That's an outstanding correction. <laughs> That's I'm the all, correction. I'm a huge fan of that one right there. They, they just said he's not a star. Right. And it he's turns just, out he's merely adequate. He's just any old fullback or yeah, something. Unspectacular. Probably. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, there's no better note to finish it on that then. See? Week 11. Everybody enjoy it. Hope you guys loved Thursday Night Football. Hope you enjoy Sunday's action, the only way to enjoy all the action is with PFF Elite. That gives you the green line picks and premium stats version 2.0. We'll be back here on Monday with our Week 11 review. 
quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.